0: Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles I want to welcome you back to the program today And thank you again for taking time to join us And uh, I hope you're doing it every week I hope you're setting your DVR Or you're watching us via YouTube Or uh, on, uh, you know, we're on different channels At different times during the week And we thank you for tuning in and uh, sharing this time with us. If you know people that would enjoy this program, please tell them about us. It helps us to get the word out. And uh, I I believe they'll be blessed as well. I want to say first of all that we are in the middle of teaching a series on the book of Hebrews. And uh, in this book of Hebrews, we are now uh, in the ninth chapter. This will be the second segment on Hebrews 9. But if you've missed any of it, uh, let me encourage you to go back to our uh, YouTube channel. and You can watch it simply by going to my website, linhouse.com, and there is on the opening page a direct link to our YouTube page where everything we have aired to date is, uh, is there at, for your viewing pleasure. Uh, you can also go to our website, and from that link we have a link directly to our podcast and to a r r r i'm sorry an rss feed for your android device so that you can get the audio portions of this so we've made it available on so many different platforms for your viewing pleasure and for your ease of being able to get the program uh, let me say also that you will find on our website and our itinerary where we're going to be we'd love to meet you somewhere we'd love to Uh, have you uh, show up in one of our services. We don't put on the ticker tape at the bottom of the screen where we're going to be because it timestamps our program. But if you'd like to be in one of our meetings, we travel constantly and we are going to be in the city near you. So uh, come be with us somewhere and meet us and we'd love to meet you. also, there, like I said, there's a lot of resources on that uh, page where you can receive. I'm not going to take a long time today to talk about it except to tell you there are several books there. The Revelation of Jesus Christ, uh, that, that book is uh, a book about Jesus because it's the only book in the Bible that said this is the Revelation of Jesus, only book we don't teach Jesus from. So I decided I was going to teach Jesus from the book that's titled The Revelation of Jesus Christ. You'll be blessed by that book. The other one's titled The Unforced Rhythms of Grace. I'm not going to talk about these a long time today because I want to get straight into the Word. The third book is called From Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift. This is my newest book. If I was going to get just one book, this would be the one I would get because it will help you make the shift from law to grace and you will be able to move into an understanding of the kingdom with this book because in this book I marry the gospel of the kingdom with the gospel of grace and show that under the old covenant it was about a law you had to keep and in the new covenant it's about receiving a life that will keep you. And it's talking about moving from the government of rules on ro- rocks to a government of of Living Spirit. And last but not least, we have a message of the month club that you can go to our website and sign up for. We'll send you a CD every month of somewhere we've been preaching uh, that I believe will bless you. And it is for a subscription of $7 a month or $70 a year. And with that, that's part of our partner base that helps us touch millions of homes a week via television. And your help is needed to do that. Let's get in the Word. I hope that didn't wear you out before you, and you flip, change the channel before we get to the Word. But Hebrews 9 is where I want to begin uh, today. And let me just read. It says, Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. We dealt with that one last week. For this was, for there was a tabernacle made, the first one was the candlestick, and the table." and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna, and Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables of the covenant. And over it the cherubims of glory, shadowing the mercy seat of which we can now, not cannot now speak particularly. Now when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But into the second went the high priest alone, once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. The Holy Ghost this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made made manifest while the first tabernacle was yet standing. Now what I want to get into today, excuse me just a moment, is that He's talking about the comparison between the earthly sanctuary that Moses was instructed by God to build after the pattern that he saw in the heavens. God opened to Moses the body of heaven, the Scripture says, and its fullness. Talks about a pavement of blue sapphire. And God showed him the heavenly sanctuary. He said, make everything in the earth after the pattern that I showed you in the heavens. So the earthly tabernacle is a picture of the heavenly tabernacle. Probably if you're going to get any description of the heavenlies, you're going to get it as a a picture through the tabernacle of Moses. Now what we dealt with last week was we showed you uh, that each one of these pieces of furniture in the tabernacle was tangible, literal, real, touchable, feelable, physical stuff. But we showed you how that they, in the new covenant, picture something spiritual of an inward reality. In other words, under the old covenant they had an altar that was in the outer court called the brazen altar where blood was spilled, sacrifices were made, sin offerings were burnt, offerings were burnt, but we know that in the New Covenant we don't bring bulls and goats. We apply the precious blood of Jesus. Now, what we see is that that's not physical blood in a cup somewhere, like going to a temple and getting real blood put on you, but applying what Jesus did in His redemptive work. And the tabernacle of Moses, uh, there was a brazen sea, that would, or a brazen laver that was made from the looking glasses of the women that stood at the door of the tabernacle, And in it was water from the smitten rock. Now that's powerful because that speaks in the new covenant of our water baptism, our being baptized into Christ. Uh, And and, and that's the token. That was one of the tokens or the seals of the covenant. I believe in water baptism. Then we came into the second dimension and we talked about the candlestick and the oil of anointing that flows from the candlestick. And I'm going to tell you, the Holy Spirit and the anointing of the Holy Spirit will give... See, what that light, what that candlestick did was it shined its light over on the table of showbread, to light the table of showbread. In other words, the oil of anointing, let me tell you something, you get filled with the Holy Ghost and the Word of God will become new to you, because the Word of God will begin to shine, I mean, the Holy Spirit will begin to shine the light on hidden nuggets. That's what I'm praying the Lord does in this series we're teaching on Hebrews, is that he causes the light of his glorious gospel to shine in our hearts, that like the Holy Spirit becomes the teacher. I mean, I, I, if the Holy Spirit becomes the teacher, man, he will begin to cause the light to shine on stuff, and it will be a never ending uh, flow of revelation that comes. I, you know, as many times as I've read the word, the Holy Spirit breathes on it a little bit differently, and boom, man, my spirit just explodes with revelation. But each piece of furniture in this tabernacle had something powerful and significant. It was showing you something of a spiritual reality from a natural, worldly, tangible, touchable realm to moving to a spiritual dimension and realm. And we talked about uh, the, 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 the table of showbread and we talked about the altar of incense last week. This week I want to talk about the piece of furniture that he starts to talk about. He said, after the second veil, the tabernacle which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid round about with gold wherein was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the covenant and over it the cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seat of which we cannot now speak particularly. And when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. Now, the thing that I want to get into, first of all, in this series, I want to talk about the most holy place in this segment. I think that, once again, when you went beyond the veil, you go into the most holy place. And the access that's in the most holy place, you see this in... you you see this incredible ark of the covenant of the Lord with its mercy seat overshadowed with these cherubims. That once again, ladies and gentlemen, is an Old Testament tangible, physical. I, I, I don't have anything with me today to show you a picture of that. You've probably seen them everywhere of a gold box with two cherubims that stand on top of that. That was the Old Covenant. In the New Covenant, I want us to come, if you will, come with me in your mind to John chapter 20. It's early on the morning of resurrection. Now we're probably coming up soon, or we've either by now passed the Easter season when this is aired. But they come to the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea and the stone has been rolled away. Now first of all, the stone being rolled away to me is a powerful picture of the stone of the law being taken out of the picture because of the death of Jesus. We'll get into that just a little bit more in just a moment. But the stone of the law has been rolled away, if I could say it like that. Not to release dead stinking flesh, but to release the power of resurrection. See, there's a lot of people preaching the stone, or the stone of the law has been rolled away. But they're not preaching that it was rolled away not to let your flesh have a heyday. It was rolled away so that it could release the power of the resurrected life of Christ. (coughs) Excuse me. Now what I want you to see then is when the stone was rolled away and Mary came to the tomb, she stoops down and she looks into the tomb. And in John chapter 20, the Bible said that there was an angel that stood at the head. If you could just picture this. And an angel that stood at the foot of where Jesus had lain. Now what this to me powerfully speaks of our pictures is the cherubims of glory that are on the mercy seat, and they are pointing towards what's underneath of their wings. Psalm 91 says, "You can trust what's up underneath of His wings. Now one of the only places that God has wings in the scripture is on a mercy seat. So what he's saying is, you can trust what's under His wings. Now what was under the wings of these angels as they stood here in this tomb on resurrection morning was what is called our propitiation. Now the word propitiation is the Greek word for mercy seat. Now so what Mary just found, uh, I feel like preaching when I get into this. Mary just found the real ark of the covenant of the Lord and the real mercy seat of which the one Moses built was only an earthly picture of the real substance. That was the shadow. This was the reality. See, the old covenant is the shadow and the new covenant is the reality. I could say it like this. See, a, a shadow is a result of something standing in the light. It's like this cup sitting here. There's a light coming from here and I could see a shadow here. Now the shadow may look like the cup, but it's not the cup. It's only the substance. the substance is the cup. So when the Old Covenant, it's like you're moving towards the object standing in light. And all of a sudden, Mary shows up on resurrection morning and she sees the uh, the object standing in light. And that object is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And a blood-sprinkled mercy seat. Mary just found the real chest of the covenant of the Lord in the person and work of Jesus Christ. She just found out you can trust what is up underneath of His wings because it's the blood of Jesus that speaks better things than the blood of Abel, the book of Hebrews declares. It's better blood with better promises. It is a blood sprinkled mercy seat, not a judgment seat, but a mercy seat. And, and there, uh, Mary found this incredible object. I could also say that it's incredible to me that all of this happens in a garden place. And in Genesis, the book of Genesis, the Scripture said that God put two angels at the east of the garden, not to keep you out, but to keep the way of the tree of life. So when Mary stoops down and she sees these two angels, I submit to you, they were in a garden and they were probably the same two angels that God put there to keep the way, to guard the way to the tree of life, because what was laying there in that tomb was the way back into the presence of God. It was the way back into the garden of God. It was the way back into the paradise of God. It was the way, the truth, and the life. Hallelujah. Now the thing I want to get into in this segment as well is what was inside that ark is described in Hebrews 9 and it tells you that in that was the golden pot of manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. Now as I begin to do a study on this, I found out that the word ark, the first usage, which is a powerful, usually the, 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 the law first usage really brings out something powerful. That the word for ark is the Old Testament Strong's number 727, Aaron, and that word is translated not as an ark, but it is translated as a coffin or a chest or a box. Now, and it is used in Genesis 50, verse number 26, when uh, that said, So Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. This word coffin is the same Hebrew word that we translate as ark in the rest of, in, in, the, in the scriptures, and then it carries over into the New Testament from the Greek, uh, into the Greek as they translate it from the Hebrew into the Greek. But its first usage was that of a coffin. Now you say, what is that? And I, I, I put in my notes the picture of Joseph being put in a coffin is a powerful picture of Christ, who is our heavenly Joseph. Whose bones were carried all the way through the wilderness journey. The rattling bones of Joseph was the reminder of the death cries. They, or, 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 it was a reminder of the death of, of Joseph. They were probably, where well, they buried the bones of Joseph. In other words, it was a picture of them carrying the death of a Savior. Joseph was their Savior in Egypt. It was the picture of them carrying the death of a Savior before the people all the way through the wilderness. And I don't know whether it's an accident or not, but it is interesting to me that when uh, Jesus is buried, He is buried in a, a tomb of a guy by the name of Joseph of Arimathea. Now, I don't know if that's significant or not, but I just thought it was worth mentioning there. But what I saw, when I saw that the ark was a, uh, it was a picture of a coffin, the first thing that happened was I said, well, what what was in this coffin? What was inside this ark? Well, one of the first things that was in the ark is the unbroken tablets of of the law. Let me just read some things from my notes. I said, the ark is a powerful picture of the burial place of the law. It is a picture of God showing us that we are dead to the law by the body of Christ. I think that's powerful. See, Romans chapter 7, verse 4 said, Wherefore, my brethren, you also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that we should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Now that's that's pretty cool there. The ark became a coffin for the law. It became the burial place of the law. You have become, this is not my opinion. Romans 7, 4 said you become dead to the law by the body of Christ that you should be married to another. Those unbroken tablets of the law are inside of the ark. Jesus perfectly and completely kept every jot, every tittle until all was fulfilled. And he kept every jot and tittle. And then when he went down into death on the cross, He took down with him the handwriting of ordinance that was against you, redeeming us from the curse of the law. So it is laid up in the ark of the covenant as if you never broke one of them. It became a coffin for the law to free you to be married to to another, even to him who's raised from the dead. And see, that's the new covenant. The old covenant was your old marriage certificate. The new covenant is your new covenant marriage certificate. Your old man was buried, your new man is alive. That's, that's powerful. You become dead to the law by the body of Christ that you should be married to another. Let me go on down through here. The next thing that was in there was the unbroken, first of all, the unbroken tablets of the law which showed that Jesus completely fulfilled every command and dealt with our rebellion to the law. The second thing that was there was the uh, golden pot of manna. Now, in Numbers chapter 17, in verse number 10, it says, And the Lord said to, to Moses, Bring Aaron's rod again before the testimony to be kept for a token against the rebels, and thou shalt quite take away their mur- murmurings from me that they die not. Now, see, this, uh, I, I, I jumped ahead there to the, the rod of Aaron that budded. But he what, one of the things, again, he deals with in number 17 is that God says to them, to, uh, to Moses, bring Aaron's rod before the testimony to be kept for a token against the rebels, and thus shall he take quite away their murmurings. God took your rebellion to the Levitical and Aaronic priesthood, and he put them underneath of the mercy seat, under the lid of the mercy seat, because that you would not have, uh, so that God could could be dealing with your rebellion against the mercy, or, or against the around, uh, Levitical priesthood, I'm sorry. The third thing was the golden pot of manna, which speaks of our rebellion against his provision because he said in Exodus 16, verses number four and five, and then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no? Well, survey says, no, they did not walk in His law. See, all of these things, the unbroken tablets of the law, you rebelled against. Jesus fulfilled it, put it in the mercy seat. The Levitical priesthood, you rebelled against it. Jesus took it to the cross, put it in the mercy seat, became a priest after the order of Melchizedek. The golden pot of manna was your rebellion against God's provision to prove you whether you'd walk in His law or no. And the fact was you failed and you did not walk in His law, but Jesus did put it in the ark and put a lid on it. I, I, I feel like preaching when I get thought about this. I preached a, uh, a message back some time ago I called put a lid on it. Because it's it's like prego spaghetti sauce. It's all in there. In other words, God put the law, God put the rod of Aaron, God put the table or the golden pot of manna and their rebellion and they're not listening to how much to gather or not gather and took it and put it inside, if you will, the ark which is Christ, put a lid on it as if you never broke or rebelled against any. All of your rebellion was dealt with in the work of Jesus Christ. And what He did in this Uh, and His powerful redemptive work as He put a lid on it. And it says, so what I began to see was that, you know, uh, that the children of Israel rebelled in all of these things, but Jesus did not rebel. He completely fulfilled it and laid it up before God and put a lid on it. You know, I think it's interesting to me that when the ark was coming back and it was being restored under David and they were bringing the ark back to Zion and they were, the ark was, was, was coming up the road. The Bible says that the men of Beth Shemesh, when the ark got to them, took the lid off of it and they looked into the ark. And when they looked into the ark, 30,000 men dropped dead that day. You say, what are you saying, Brother House? I'm trying to tell you, if you look on the law and you look on your rebellion and you look on your failures without a mercy seat, it's going to kill you. Spiritually? Condemnation, guilt, it's going to bring a death to you. But see, I'm telling you, put a lid on it. Man, I, I, I want to say to every preacher across America, yes, people have rebelled. One of the things we're going to deal with probably in our next session is we're going to talk about the conscience being purged. Because if you take this lid off and you look at law without mercy, you look at law without grace, you look at the law without, or you look at your rebellion without a blood sprinkled mercy seat and it's going to produce death in you. But if you'll put a lid on it and a mercy seat and carry that mercy seat. One thing I love about it is when they put the lid back on that mercy seat and brought it back up the road, when the presence of God was restored, the enemies were subdued. The glory of God returned to the house of God. Blessing and provision and miraculous, even when the ark stopped, at the house of Obed-Edom. When you put an ark with a mercy seat on top of it, and you, you really get a proper relationship to this thing, it'll bring the blessing of God in your life. I'm telling you, that's why I believe we need to preach the mercy and the finished work of Jesus Christ because it puts a lid back on it and said, listen, you were crucified with Christ. you become dead to the law by the body of Christ. You're not under the Levitical priesthood. You're under the Melchizedek priesthood. You're not under the, the the penalty for the rebellion and your inability to keep the law as pictured in the manna because Jesus became the true bread that came down from heaven that if a man eat it, he would live forever. Uh, let me just go down and read some of my notes further in this. It says, uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, Exodus 16, uh, this is one of the things that He says to them when He's talking about the banner. He said unto them, This is that which the Lord hath said, Tomorrow is the rest of the Holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Break, bake that which you shall bake today. See that you will seethe, and that which remaineth over lay it up for you to be kept unto the morning. And they laid it up till the morning, and Moses bade, as Moses bade, and it did not stink. Neither was there any worm therein. Uh, and I put in my notes, is it possible that this is the hidden manna? It is feeding on the fact that six days was about works. But on the Sabbath day, you eat that which was laid up, you feed on the work that was already accomplished in Christ. This is the manna that did not stink. Uh, we could go into a lot of different things, but Jesus says in John 6, let me get this for you. Your fathers did eat, John 649 through 51 says, your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I'll give for the life of the world. All of this is covered by the blood-sprinkled mercy seat. We are not to open the lid. We're supposed to keep a lid on it. And so, you know, when I think about Revelation chapter, I believe it is, uh, two or three, somewhere in there, it says, Him that overcomes, I'll give him to heat the hidden manna. What this ark and this chapter's talking about is moving into the dimension where you're feeding on not the physical, tangible stuff that was in the third dimension, but you're feeding on the true bread that came down from heaven. You're feeding on Christ, His finished work. You're, you're, you're not under a Levitical priesthood, the rod of Aaron. You're under a Melchizedek priesthood. You're not under the, tablets of the law any longer. In the New Covenant, God writes this law in your heart. Your sins and iniquities, you'll remember no more. you become dead to the law by the body of Christ. This ark was a coffin. Mary found that coffin on resurrection morning when she stooped down, but she didn't see the tablets of the law, nor did she see the rod of Aaron. She saw two cherubims, or two angels, standing on top of a blood-sprinkled mercy seat. And everything about this picture was screaming, this is the way, walk ye into it. And that was the way into the most holy place that was not yet made while the first tabernacle still stood. We have access by this grace by in, in, into the presence of God where the forerunner in Hebrews had entered for us. And we will talk about more of that in our next segment. Thank you for joining us. We are about to run out of time. But if you are enjoying what we're sharing, please take a moment to write to us or call the number on the screen or go to our website. Uh, your seed, your giving is what supports us. We are totally supported by our partners and those of you who feel moved up by the Spirit to sow into the ministry. So if you want to do that, you can call that number on the screen. You can go to our website, set up a monthly debit if you'd like to, or you can send check or money order to the address that's coming up on the screen right now. God bless you. Thanks for joining us again. I'm very excited to announce the release of my newest book. It is titled From Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift. In this book, we talk about how the gospel is not about a law you have to keep. It is about receiving a life that will keep you. It is not about living this life out of fear. It is about living a life of faith. It is not about rules. It's about a relationship with a loving father. It is about moving from the old covenant government of condemnation to the new covenant government of affirmation. It is about living life as a citizen of the kingdom right now.